You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. What you see here is an anchor. Now, Brady has a pontoon boat, and so what we do once in a while, we'll go out, we take the pontoon out, we'll stop, hot day, what's better than to just slip off the side of it, get in and take a little bit of a dip, you know, and so what you do is when you have this anchor, unless you're Dennis Bubniak, he borrowed a pontoon one time and and, uh, forgot to tie the anchor down, and it's at the bottom somewhere, but I had another one, so this is the one I brought today. So what you do is you, it's very simple, even if you're not a boater, what you do is you let it down into the water, whatever it is, 15, 20, 30 feet, and then when you get down to the bottom, you'll realize that the thing goes slack, okay? You know you're on the bottom, right? So then you tie that little puppy off, and now you just get out, and you go ahead and you start do your swim. Now, that works okay until you start to encounter some wind. Complications come when the wind starts coming up. Now, you're out away from the boat, just taking it, you know, you're anchored, everything's fine, you're close, got your life jacket on. But what happens when the wind starts blowing, that anchor, with the, with the resistance of the boat, that anchor starts bouncing along the bottom. And then you look up and you go, oh wait, there goes the boat. We've got to go catch it because the anchor and it, they're floating on down the creek. Now, why does an anchor do that? I mean, you let it down, it should do its job, right? It's, this one's even kind of got little, three little cleat things on it to grab. Well, it does it because in this situation, there wasn't adequate weight to keep the boat in place. We'd have had to have a bigger anchor to do it. Well, see, life can do that same thing to us. You know what we're doing? We're, we're just kind of Cadillacing along through life. Everything's fine. We have no real, no real challenges, no big winds that are facing us at least at that moment. But see, winds will come. And what we really understand, especially if you've been around a while, you realize winds will come. It isn't a question of if they'll come, it's just when are they going to show up on your doorstep. Paul's our principal character in Acts 21. That's where our study is today. Now, he's already had his share of winds, if you will, challenges, issues. But what we did is we ran into Paul pretty much first in when he was on his way to Damascus, actually to go arrest Christians, and he was on his way to, to Damascus when, when that bright light hit him, and he had the encounter, and Jesus asked him the question, Saul, why do you persecute me? Literally from the mouths of Jesus from the heavens. Now, in subsequent years, Paul, since that time at Damascus, when he, when he was called to be that apostle, Subsequent years have brought many challenges in his life. So what I'm going to do is we're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians 11 is where we're going to pick it up. 2 Corinthians 11, 1, or 11, 23. You'll see it up here. Now, if you're, if you're one of those people that read the things on the back glasses of cars in front of you at stoplights, you know, one of the ones that you pull up behind, it has these palm trees on the back glass. Does anybody know what it says, that, that phrase? Anybody know what it says by those palm trees? No bad days. Okay? Now, 
we're going to talk about some of these no bad days Paul had here. Here we go, 2 Corinthians 11 chapter. He said, I know I sound like a madman, a crazy person, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, and that was pretty much right before they, you would die literally from the beating. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feelings, without feeling weakness? Who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Artis kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape. Paul indeed did face a lot of challenges. One might ask yourself, if you had those problems, those issues, those no bad days that he just described, one would ask yourself, wouldn't it be easier if you were under that kind of stress, under that kind of pressure, wouldn't it be easier just to go back to what was comfortable? Just to go back to the things you know, the, the things that weren't so challenging? You know, we can ask ourselves that question too, because sometimes when the wind blows in our life, we stop and say, you know, it had been a lot easier just to do X or not to get involved in this situation. But that wasn't the route Paul chose. In chapter 21, and I'm just going to kite through some verses today. We're not going to cover every single verse. But in chapter 21, we'll see Paul, as he left Ephesus, is moving now from town to town. He's in contact with the Christians in these early locations He's being uh, offered prophecy by some people. He's being offered advice from others. And he's, we're going to find out in chapter 21 that he's being criticized and he's been being threatened. In Hebrews 6, one of the things that I'm going to just kind of skip down to about verse 18, it said, God did this so by two, two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. Remember that, it's impossible for God to lie. We would have fled to take hold of the hope set before us that we may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor, an anchor, so that we can be firm and secure. And see, that's the hope that Paul had. Because what he had realized, he had realized that this calling that was on his life, that he didn't have any choices. That was what he was supposed to do. He had been called to do that. I wonder if you sit here today and, and we talk about these wins, these challenges, I wonder which of those you might have. I wonder in your life, is there, are there winds of doubt in your life? 
Are there things that you have these serious doubts about? Perhaps it's winds of depression. You know, we live in a time when just a lot of pressure, a lot of things that are on us, a lot of reasons to make ends meet and all the post-COVID stuff and things we have. Or perhaps it's the winds of discouragement that you face as you sit here this morning. And perhaps you've been examining your faith and you, you're really kind of going, well, I'm, am, am I really anchored? Am I really seated in my faith? Does God really hear my prayers? I've been praying about things and it just seems like it doesn't change. Does he really hear my prayers? Perhaps you have wins in your finances and your outgo far exceeds your income and you're thinking about how are we going to put those pieces together? Maybe those are the wins you face today. Or maybe it's wins in relationships. You know, I don't, I hardly know any families that, that don't have challenges in relationships in some form or fashion. See, we'll all face these wins in our life. The question is, is what will we do with the wins? How will they affect us? Because you'll make a choice. You'll make a choice about wins, and you're going to make a choice that either the wins are either going to strengthen you or they're going to weaken you. And you have to make a choice about which one of those is it going to be. Am I going to be weakened when these challenges, these things come into my life? Or am I going to use those as a, we as a means to strengthen my faith? See, Paul in the in 21st chapter of Acts, he's on what we call the third of his three missionary journeys. I'm just thinking, you know, travel wasn't easy in those days, as you're well aware. And, and he, he covered in his third missionary journey, he covered about 2,500 miles. He did about half of that by sea and about 1,300 miles of it that he did by land. And what he would do is he would, he would get off because, I don't know about y'all, but I need encouragement in my life. So when Paul would go into these ports and he would, uh, he would get off of the ships as he was moving along or even when he was doing it by foot, he would stop and he would spend some time with people that he saw. He would find these other believers and he would stop and, and stop frequently in these towns. Now, one of the encouragements he had was that when he would go into these towns, he would realize he would see the evidence of other believers. He would find people. They had his core values. They understood about Jesus, about his death, his resurrection. And he got, he, I'm sure it had to be heartening for him to do. We see, too, as he made this, these trips and he stopped in these towns, we see this explosion of Christianity that was happening. The gospel was spreading. There was evidence of it. The, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, like bands, you know, when they're going out to do like their last thing together as a band. What do they call that? The farewell tour, John, when they go out and do that kind of last, that last big tour across the country. I see kind of Paul this way, too, because he understands that my days are growing short in the ministry. They're growing short here on life because I know the pressure that it's starting to, starting to come as a result of my ministry. So we get a glimpse of him because what Paul does in 21, he, he encounters people along the way. And, and these people are going to share with him about, because he's headed to Jerusalem. And these people are going to share with him about what they think is going to happen there. We're going to pick that up in verse 3 of chapter 21. And one of his stopovers was in Tyre, and he spent a week there, seven days, as Scripture tells us. He said, we landed at Tyre, which our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. 
Through the Spirit, they urge Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Now, the believers there, and legitimately so, Scripture tells us that it was through the Spirit that they're saying, Paul, <laughs> there's, there's bad things waiting for you there. If you go there, bad things are going to happen if you go to Jerusalem. Danger, perhaps death. We go on down to verse 10, and we see a second person, this, a guy named Agabus. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Come over to, coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, well, that's Paul, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the other people there pleaded with Paul, Don't go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but I'm also ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he, and when, when he would not be dissuaded, he gave up and he said, The Lord's will, they gave up. Luke is the, is the author, so it's he and the cohorts. The Lord's will be done. See, in both instances that we see in verse 3 and 10, the, lo the locals were saying, the Spirit is telling us that you have these dangers ahead. We also see when you read that, you also realize that they are also saying, not only are those ahead, you should not go. Theologians through the years have always asked the question, well, if it was the Holy Spirit, in two different instances, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go there. Or He wasn't saying that, I'm sorry, let me back up. The Holy Spirit was saying that there's danger ahead of you. Now, the people then decided, well, if there's danger ahead of you, what would you do? You wouldn't go there, right? They're issuing a warning. And he wasn't a stranger to that. I mean, we just read a while ago about all the things that have happened to him, the beatings and the imprisonment and all that. But the Holy Spirit was issuing the warning that, Paul, you have danger and possibly death ahead. And logic would tell us, and I think it would me, if somebody said, you know, if you go to Jerusalem, there's no doubt that bad things are going to happen. And most of us, I think, and most of the people there were obviously saying, hey, it's logical. If those things are going to happen, then what you should do is don't go. Well, those giving, me, giving him counsel, they, I'm sure they had his best interest in mind. But Paul had his marching orders. The scripture tells us that he, that he, would, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing as, as the Spirit would unveil that to him. So I have a question for you. We go back to being anchored. I'm just thinking about Paul. He's, he has all these people giving him advice about what to do. You know, this is going to happen to you, and then, you know, you just should not go to Jerusalem. Are you properly anchored so that when you have issues in your life that you can handle those? You know, Paul had to be challenged. I'm sure that wasn't an easy choice. If you, if you have criticism given you, are you able to handle that criticism? Are you well enough anchored to do that? Because I don't know, but I tell you what, this cheek-turning business, that is not an easy thing to do. You know, where we're, we're offended, or even more importantly, if somebody we love is offended, that cheek-turning is a very difficult thing for us to do. And oftentimes what happens is we have people give us advice. I don't know, you know, I asked the, ask the elders and Justin, I asked them, I said... 
have you had people come up to you and say, this is a word from the Lord, and this is what they told me to tell you? Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It does happen. People have a word. But what I am saying is sometimes what you're really getting is you're getting advice from people. And so you're trying to say, am I well anchored enough that if I'm told that, if somebody comes to me and offers me what they believe to be wise counsel, that I know how to run it through a godly filter and, and realize what was just advice and what really is from God. See, Paul's anchor had to be pretty secure. Because when you think about everything he had gone through, I, I just can't imagine how many times after what he went through, it would have just been easier to say, Phew, I think I'm going to go back to Tarsus where I came from. He was an educated man. He could have done something else. He could have changed careers, whatever he wanted to do. But, he, when he, but he, that wasn't his choice. He was well anchored. He understood what he was supposed to do. In verse 17, it says, We arrived at Jerusalem. The brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles and what he goes, what they go ahead in the next, this next verse, what they're really saying is uh, people are bringing us stories that you're, that you're saying that the teachings of Moses no longer exist. That we're supposed to follow these new things, and you're living outside the lines. Still more headwinds. They received him warmly, but then I got to thinking, it's a little bit like we face in today's world sometimes, you know, there's just fake news. Well, they had fake news. Because what they were being told, that wasn't what Paul was preaching. He wasn't preaching against circumcision, but he was, but he was making the point that that wasn't a necessity when it came to being, having the grace that Christ had, had given us. Verse 27, when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple they stirred up the whole crowd and they seized him and shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. Again, the same thing. They were being warned by James and the other brothers. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers, and they ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and he arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked him who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing, some shouted another, and since the commander could not get the truth because of the uproar, Sounds kind of like today when I read this, doesn't it? Because of the uproar, he ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to literally be carried by the, show, show, the show, soldiers. I've got a thick tongue today. You probably haven't noticed that, of course. The crowd that followed them kept shouting, get rid of him. 
it's hard for us to put ourselves in his place. Hard for us to put ourselves in his place. You know, because a lot of times we think, well, he was called to do that. His, his role is different than mine. And truly, they, his role was different than ours. But it was no less important for him to be a man of faith than it is for us to be people of faith. To experience what he did, to be beaten and abused for the sake of the gospel, but still hang in there and stay true to what he'd been called to do. But see, each of us, we have our own wins that challenge us in life, just like what happened in this situation with Paul. You know, as you sit here today, maybe you say, you know, my faith really needs to be strengthened. I find myself just in these, this, these, this doubt, and I just feel like, I just wish that my relationship with Christ, that I was better anchored. You know, maybe the winds that we face today, maybe it's a wind of relationships. We talked about that earlier. But, it, but, our, but relationships, how they can, they're tough sometimes. It's, they, they can wear us down. You know, we don't understand why, why people do what they do or how we treat each other sometimes. Maybe it's uh, the winds or that have to do with your children or spouse or maybe even an ex-spouse, for that matter, that you face. Maybe it's health. You know, we've got a number of you in this room that are facing very serious health challenges. But maybe it is those kind of wins that you face. And maybe it is things like finances or something I haven't mentioned that just continues to dog you and drag you down and make you question. But see, we go back to this anchor, and the question then is, so is my anchor not holding me? Because that's what it's supposed to do. That anchor is supposed to hold us if it's, if it's secure. So we ask ourselves, is my anchor not holding me? Is my faith, my relationship with Christ, is it not holding me? So here's the advantage. It's a couple of just short verses in Ephesians 4. The advantage of a secure anchor. It says that then we will no longer be infants tossed, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning of craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So one of the things is when our anchor, when we do decide that I am, I am going to secure my anchor, I want my anchor to be tighter, then a lot of the, the indecision, a lot of the times when we're, we're going through this guesswork and wondering, well, is that God or is that not God or what am I supposed to do and why can't I figure out how to make this relationship better? Then a lot of times then our anchor then helps to bring us back to what our mission is in Christ. So I asked myself when I was working through this, I asked myself, well, where do I get this anchor? Where do I get this anchor? Where do I get this security that we're talking about? Well, the first one is kind of fall off a log easy. The first thing you do if you want that anchor is you have to place your faith in Christ. And for many of us, again, there's a, there's a whole difference between knowing about Christ and really knowing Christ. It's a night and day difference. Because we know about a lot of things, but, but to intimately know them and to intimately have that relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where the anchor starts. The next thing, I think, is it's being regular and coming together with the saints. Our Christian life, a lot of times what we think is we can be part-timers. You know, as a kid, I played ball, every kind of ball that you could play, and I played ball well up into my adult years. 
you know, and I can't, I was thinking, I don't remember a single time that our coach said, Tom, just be here when you can. I don't ever remember that. Tom, I tell you what, you're a good shortstop, but we're good with you being a part-timer. I never remember anybody telling me that. They expected me to be there. Now, I can't make anybody be here, but what I can do is I can tell you that if you are a part-timer in the faith, that you're missing many of the benefits of being a full-timer. Another thing is really is when we is when we think about our anchor, it's to pray. And I, I think about that too because I think a lot of times, you know, it's, that's easy to say, harder to do. And you say, well, no, it's, you know, I pray. But I'm talking about really pray where you, where you expose your heart to God, where you really talk about the things in, honestly, and, and you say, I don't want it my way, I want it your way in prayer and see others too what we're asking is we should ask other people i'm going to use the word invest i'll be back to that in a minute but we what we should do is we should ask others we should ask others to invest themselves with the prayers i have in my life if you have issues if you have things that you need to be praying for and i think our church is good at that but we have a have a lot of opportunities yet to even be better but we should be investing, others should be investing in yourself and praying for us. And guess what? It's a reciprocal deal, right? Because what we should be doing is we should be investing in prayer for others. We should be asking people, what can I pray for you about? And then, admittedly, I suppose probably most people do it. Well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But then last time we think about it was when I said, I'll pray for you. But I'm talking about really making the investment in prayer with each other. And then and the next one, if you want to be properly anchored, is you have to invest yourself, and I do too, you have to invest yourself in God's Word. Now, I use the word invest because as I thought about the word invest, I didn't look it up, I just kind of intuitively said, well, if I'm going to invest something, I'm looking for a return. I'm looking for benefit from my investment. So if I'm going to invest myself in the Word, why would I do that? Well, I'm going to invest myself in the Word because there is going to be great benefit to me if I know God's Word. If you talk to somebody who's been around the block and, and, and understands Scripture and if, that's been a part of their life for a while, you understand how many times in the normal course of a day they go back to Scripture and what it does, it helps center them, helps them make a choice, helps them make a decision, helps them know how to treat a brother or sister but you have to invest yourself in God's word it's not just a passing thing well I you know I Tom I get up every morning and I read 30 second devotional I'm good but that's a different than the investment we're talking about and if you want to be anchored as well you have to listen to the Holy Spirit and you have to pray for discernment because I can tell you for most of us what pilots us, I'll use me, what pilots me a good share of the time is me. But what we have to do is we have to think about, Lord, I, I want what you want. I want your Holy Spirit to work inside me, and I want you to reveal to me what I'm supposed to do. How am I supposed to treat this person? What am I supposed to do about my occupation? What am I supposed to do about family or how I can commit my time? 
And then we need to stay on that path. Stay on that path that the Holy Spirit directs you to. And what I can tell you is that we live in a world that has lots of shiny things. Lots of shiny things. And what do shiny things do? The reason they do that is it's, hey, look over here. You know, we see little kids, you know, you're trying to get them to quit doing something, so you show them something else shiny over here, or a dog, or whatever it is. But the reality is people, we're the same way. We get distracted looking at all the shiny things of life, and what we've got to do is we have to figure out that, okay, I, I realize all those things can be distractions, and some of them even seem to be good distractions. I mean, they're good things. Because a lot of the things we make choices about, it isn't giving up just bad things. Sometimes we're making choices and priorities, and what we're doing is saying, this is a good thing, but guess what? It is not the best thing. And that's what we're being called to do. We're being called to make choices about the best thing. So we've got to place our faith in Christ. We need to be regulars, not part-timers. We need to pray. We need to ask others to invest in our prayers, the things that, are con that we're concerned about, that, we, that we're looking for God to reveal to us. And we need to be willing to invest ourselves in their prayer. We need to invest ourselves in God's word. We're doing some of that here this morning. But we understand that when we talk about that investment, we're talking about doing it on your own time as well. We're talking about listening to the Holy Spirit and praying for discernment and then trying to figure out, how do I put that into action? Praise team's going to come in a minute. I'm going to pray for you. But I just want you to think about that. We started by this, this little picture here, if you will. And you need to ask yourself, you know, just, just, it's just an honest question. Just ask yourself, you know, is your anchor, is it holding you? Are you secure by the things we talked about? Or are you kind of just kind of bumping along and cadillac and along through life, but you're really not seeing the great benefit that you should be as a member of the kingdom of God. So be thinking about that. I'll be down here close if somebody needs to talk. As a, but let me pray for us as we go. Father, I just uh, ask you, I, I didn't do a very good job of presenting a great topic. I pray, Father, that, that we understand that we need to be anchored. For many of us today, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll say, well, my anchor is not very secure. I'm probably prone to bump along the bottom and move along a lot more than I should, Father. But I pray that what you'll do is you'll help me to anchor myself, to, to fix myself to you. I don't want to be a part-timer. Maybe I can't be Paul, but I can be me. And I can pursue you just like Scripture says. And I pray, Lord, we'll do those things in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.